So you all have been gracious enough to allow us the opportunity to journey through this series called My Crazy Family. I've asked you each week of this series, uh, you know, how many of you come from a crazy family? Come on, show of hands if you come from a crazy family. Good Lord, that's a lot of us. <laughs> how many of you would say, like, your family's so crazy, like, you don't have a Z, it's just cray-cray. Come on, where's that family? There we go. And if you're sitting here listening, you're like, I'm not raising my hand, it's because you are the crazy one in the whole group, so... Uh, I've given you this kind of declaration, if you will, or this anthem to adopt. And each week in this series, I've asked you to say this with me, and, and I'll have you say it again here, but I want this to be something that you really hold on to, that you commit to, that, hey, my family doesn't have to be crazy. Now, it doesn't mean that life won't be crazy in seasons. It doesn't mean that there won't be stressful moments. Life is life. It doesn't mean that there won't be financial struggles at times. And, you know, I mean, there are just... You know, I pray health over you, but there are times people get sick and life just feels a little out of balance or out of alignment. But this declaration means that you don't have to take up residence in crazy world. Come on. That you can have a crazy season. You can have a crazy moment, but your, your marriage, your children, uh, your home doesn't have to be defined as a crazy one. Does that make sense? So I'm hoping that over this collection of conversations, you get some truths from God's word to set your family free. To turn your family around from what seems to be like the circus, come on, and it's something where you walk home or when you enter into your home or into conversations with those in your family that it's full of, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and even some self-control. So on the count of three, let's, let's declare this together. Ready? One, two, three. My family doesn't have to be crazy. All right, do it again. This time, try it without being so skeptical. Come on, can you do it? Here we go. One, two, three. My family doesn't have to be crazy. And I've given you this verse. It's a verse that the Lord uh, shared with me weeks and weeks ago. And, and if you're looking for a verse maybe to adopt in your household or to lay over the top of, again, your, your, your marriage or your, your parenting or your family, it's a beautiful verse found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 8. And, and I'm, I'm sharing this with you out of the context of the family unit. And we've paused on these first two words the last couple of Sundays because they, they cover so much, they encompass so much. The Bible says, above all, above all. Well, I'll read you the whole verse here in a moment, but what a beautiful thought to consider about your family, above all. Above all the challenges, above all the, the limitations, above all, I've said it this way in previous Sundays, above all the unpaid bills, the unwashed dishes, the unfolded laundry. Come on, is that just my house or anybody with me? Come on, like, above all the, the challenges, above all of the, the teacher's email that you got about your son or daughter, of, above all the, the stress and the back and forth and the tension. Uh, and maybe that's not your season. Uh, maybe your, your home is full of joy right now. But regardless of what you face, the Bible says, above all, and this is the commitment that I am urging you to make, keep loving one another. I remember when Kimberly and I got married, we made this, this vow, this covenant relationship that said, until death do us part. What we were saying in that moment on, on that shared stage in that sanctuary at the time was, above all, we're going to keep loving one another. And I love what the Bible says. Do that earnestly. And then this last part, the second part here, is a beautiful reminder for those of us who are in a relationship with Christ Jesus of our own experience of his love covering a multitude of our sin. But for those of you that maybe haven't yet accepted Jesus Christ, here's, here's one beautiful reality of coming into a relationship with him is that his love covers a multitude of our mistakes, a multitude of our sin. And so when you look at this in the context of family, you can say, look, above all, we got a lot of stuff going on in the house right now. I mean, there's just a lot of challenges, but above all of that, I love you. And I'm gonna keep loving you and the love that I have for you will cover a lot of the mistakes that I make and a lot of the mistakes that you make. And I don't want to be cheesy. I, I'm a dad. I got a lot of dad jokes, but this is heartfelt. I think for some of you today, uh, you've been kind of at, at odds with somebody in your family. You know, work that out. Keep figuring that out. But you need to remind them that you love them. And I, I love you. Now, I'm, I'm, I've got my stuff and I've got some frustration. But above all of that, I, I love you and I choose to love you. For some of you, that might mean picking up the phone, making a phone call. For some of you, that might mean grabbing lunch or coffee. For some of you... That might be a text message for some of you that's on your ride home, back home today in the car, to say, hey, I know we got a lot of stuff happening in this house, but I love you. And above all of it, I love you. Can I get a good amen? Come on. 
So here's a whole outline. I'm going to show you the, the whole outline of the series. Uh, we started a couple weeks ago. I kind of gave an introduction to the My Crazy Family talk. Last week we talked about my crazy spouse, really uh, leaned into the idea of my crazy marriage, tried to give you some takeaways on how to move your marriage away from crazy to a home of peace and joy. Next, next week, this is for everybody, I'm going to talk about money. Um, my, there, you know, just money's a big challenge. Financial pressure is a big stress. A lot of people have, you know, astronomical bills and mortgages and rent and car payment and credit cards and kids are expensive. Come on, every parent should have said amen. Like, I feel like I'm an ATM machine some days, you know, but we'll talk about money and the financial pressure and how we can get control of that. But today we're going to talk about my crazy kids. Now, here's what I know, and I'll give you some ground rules here in just a couple of minutes. But I know that whenever I do a message specifically about parenting and children, that I'm probably only addressing, you know, about 65% of the room and, and people online and in Germantown. Everybody's in a different of, a season of life. Uh, some of you, you, you're not married yet. You're praying for that significant other. Some of you, you're married, but you don't have kids yet. Uh, some of you, you have children and either they're grown and gone or they're adolescents or you know, preteens or toddlers or whatever. Some of you are grandparents. Come on, grandparents, where are you at? Best job. I hear it's the best job in the world. So everybody's in a different season, but I'm gonna give you some ground rules here. But today I really wanna talk about children. I think it's a great opportunity just to plug the fact that next Sunday we're gonna do child dedication. So if you have, if you have children that have not yet been dedicated to the Lord, uh, we would be honored to dedicate your child to the Lord or children to the Lord. You can go on the website and go on the app. You can fill out the, the little form that's there on the website. and app's got all the information of how we're going to do that next Sunday uh, after our gab, 1045 gathering here and then at, before our gathering in Germantown. All of that's on the, uh, on the website and app. But some of you are thinking, well, you know, why should I dedicate my child? And I'll give you one reason. There's multiple, but here's one. Research tells us that the most violent human beings on the face of the planet are two-year-old children. Come on, somebody. <laughs> How many of you know that to be true? Come on, parents of toddlers. So, you know, you should just dedicate them and baptize them and anoint them with oil, you know? I mean, they're just little, little, little demon children. We're just going to get them saved, love them a little bit. So that's one reason that we think you should dedicate your children. As a matter of fact, I love comedy. Anybody else like comedy? Um, I try in most of my messages uh, to have a little bit of humor you know, I just grew up in a really boring church, and uh, when I got saved, I just told the Lord, I was like, all right, if I'm going to pastor a church, I, just, I feel like we should have fun in church, so I like to laugh, so I watch a lot of comedy. I'm a big Nate Bargatze fan. If you don't know who Nate Bargatze is, um, go on Netflix, but another favorite comedian of mine, a little bit more old school, Jerry Seinfeld. Come on, any Seinfeld fans in the house? Here's what he says about toddlers. He says, a toddler is like turning on a blender that doesn't have a lid. Come on. <laughs> How many of you know that a, a toddler can do more damage in one unsupervised moment than you and I can do in an entire day? There's something about that one moment. So I've tried to give you, as an introduction to each of these messages, some, some social media uh, responses. So a couple weeks back, I said, okay, we're doing this crazy family series. You know, message me or comment on my social media, you know, some of the crazy stuff about your family. Here's some about kids. Since we're talking about parenting, we're talking about children. Here's some about kids. I think you'll find these funny. Oh, the first one said this. My two-year-old daughter drew a pillow with chalk. She then decided to lay down for a nap. Here's a photo. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, two, two things happen when I see that photo. Number one, I laugh because it's hysterical. Number two, I think, remember when you used to sleep anywhere? Come on now, you used to sleep anywhere. I love that so much. Here, here's another one. Um, I asked my five-year-old to keep an eye on his sister while I served him dinner. I peek out from the kitchen, and I find him like, Y'all going to love this, by the way. I find him like this. Come on. <laughs> so it's Spider-Man. Come on. He's on the edge of the crib. Ain't nobody going to touch her. Ain't nobody going to touch her. Come on, you got to love. You got to love kids. All right, where, where are my parents uh, of, of teenagers? Come on, let me see your hands. Parents of teenagers. Jesus, right now, help them all, Lord. Where's the teenagers? And God, help them too. Come on. All right, watch this. I present to you my daughter who after being told to change into appropriate clothes, can I get a witness? She slammed her bedroom door so hard that it got stuck, the, the door got stuck. Her escape effort is pictured here with our concerned dog looking on. Come on, if you look closely, you can see her fingers. She's trying to get out. <laughs> get me out of here. You never loved me anyway. 
<laughs> You're going to find out how much I love you if I open the door. Come on now. Now, this last one is just a meme. I found it online. Incredibly funny. This, this one is, is just, just a little good humor. I'm assuming it's a dad, but it could just be an exhausted mom. Come on, shout out to all the exhausted moms in the room and listening. But here we go. Watch this. The meme says, <laughs> I got bored, so I drew eyebrows on my daughter. I have no regrets. Come on. <laughs> Come on, don't you love that? It's absolutely love that. <laughs> Some of you right now, you're sitting there thinking, that is a brilliant idea. That is a brilliant idea. All right, let me give you some ground rules for today, for this message specifically. And again, I know that 65, 70% of the room this message is for, but I think, I think all of us can gain some principles and practicals. Everybody knows somebody with kids. Uh, some of you wanted to spank other people's kids. Come on now. Um, but let me give you some ground rules, regardless of where you find yourself in life. The first ground rule is this. No guilt. All right, no guilt today. As a matter of fact, this is, this is just kind of a uh, weekly ground rule here. It's a guilt-free zone, a judgment-free zone. If you think that this is a place where perfect, just only perfect people you know, attend, uh, we've, we fooled you, and I apologize. I'm not preaching down to you today. I, as a matter of fact, I'm not preaching at you today. Um, the Lord has revealed some things to me in my heart that I need to do a better job as a dad, as a parent, as a husband. So it's a guilt-free zone. Okay, so you need, to, you need to know this. The Bible says in Romans 8, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. Big difference between, you know, conviction of God and guilt and condemnation that comes from the enemy. So if at any point, and not just today, but come on, if at any point you begin to feel some condemnation, you need to put horns on that, that's the enemy. Okay, that's the devil. So that's the first ground rule. There's no guilt here today. We are all learning. Can I get an amen? Okay, we're all students here. The second thing is this, and again, I'm talking about parenting and children, but this is for anybody. You've got to stop comparing your kids to everybody else on social media. Oh, you got to stop. That was you give me a better amen. Like, and so let, if you don't have children, let me talk to everybody. Stop comparing your marriage to everybody else on social media. Stop comparing your life and your car and your health and your money. I mean, you realize, come on, you're a smart group of people. You realize that only thing that goes on social media is the good stuff. Not all, it real, re, social media is not reality. You know, you can even, if you, if, you follow, if you follow us on, you know, social media, whether it's Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't ever put on Facebook, I got in a fight with my wife tonight, you know, like, nobody's putting that. You know, when it comes to my son Lakeland who's playing baseball, some of you are like, no, we put that, you know. <laughs> Uh, but when it comes to my son's baseball, he's playing baseball right now, Little League. Like, I only post when he gets hits. I'm not like, hey, here's a picture of my son. He struck out three times a night. <laughs> Who's doing that? I want you to think he's never had a strikeout, you know? So stop comparing yourself to everybody else on social media. Comparison is a dangerous and deadly trap. Are you with me? It's a dangerous trap to get sucked into the undercurrent of comparison. It's just... Look, you're not responsible for anybody else. You're responsible for you and yours. And I, I honestly, pardon the remember, but I ain't got time to focus on what everybody else has got going on. We got enough stuff we got to figure out. Okay, so stop comparing to everybody else on social media because that is just dangerous and deadly. And then the third ground rule, and again, regardless of what season of life you're in, have an open heart, have an open mind. Okay, we, every single one of us today, we can start some things and we can stop some things. Every single one of us especially for parents. There are some things we can start doing. There are some things we can stop doing. For kids that are in the room, there are some things that you can, you can start doing today to make you know, the family a lot more peaceful. There are some things you can stop doing. If you're not married, you are married. Again, regardless, open up your heart, open up your mind, let God speak to you, okay? So let, let's have a little conversation. Now, when I was growing up, a little bit different than how kids are raised today, and I'm, I'm not an old man. Don't let the gray fool you. Come on, but I've got a little bit of years on me. I mean, so I, I can go back 30, 35 years to some of my first memories of childhood, and they just look a whole lot different than, like, childhood today. Come on, how many of you already know what I'm talking about? Like, here's just a couple of thoughts. Like, when I was growing up, my parents convinced me that electricity cost $1,000 a minute. Come on, how many, how many of you know that, like... I mean, why are you leave the light on? You know, I'd open up the refrigerator. You just, were you, were you raised in a barn? Your parents ever tell you that? I grew up in Dover, Florida. I kind of grew up in a barn. And I was like, yeah, I kind of did. I kind of did. You know, like, uh, here's one. Uh, 
I, if I only ate what my mama cooked, and if I didn't eat what she cooked, I didn't eat. Like, my mom made a dinner, and, like, that was the dinner. And nowadays, it's like, what do you guys want? And one kid wants one thing, and another kid wants another thing, and we're, like, door dashing and grub hubbing and cooking, and it's like, no. My mama said, you're going to eat this, and if you don't want it, that ain't a problem, but there ain't no more food, you know? So, did anybody grow up that way? Yeah, um, I remember growing up, my mom, I'd be in the backseat of the car, she'd pull up to a grocery store, and she would say, hey, I'm going to run in for just a minute, I'll be right back. Man, you, you can't leave a poodle in a car nowadays, come on, until the cancel culture coming after you. And she'd leave me in a car, she'd be in there shopping and all that, and that was just kind of how we grew up. Anybody remember those days? You know, um, now that I have kids, I kind of know why she left me in the car to go grocery shopping because, <laughs> like, the worst thing you can do as a parent is to take your kid into Walmart. I'm just going to be honest, you know, and never go down the cereal aisle, good Lord. You know, it just grew up different. I remember we had a, a GMC caravan, so it wasn't like a minivan. These minivans nowadays, they are something else. I mean, they are just loaded, but this was a GMC caravan, and this thing fully loaded. I mean, it had everything except one thing. A car seat. I don't remember ever being in a car seat. Do you guys remember that? I remember like taking trips, long vacations, and I would literally lay in the, that trunk space between the back seat and the window shield. And I just ride down the road. Nowadays, you got to like strap your kids in and here, hold on to this parachute. And like <laughs> parents are blowing up balloons, putting balloons all around them. And it's like, man, like some, I'd lay up there. Don't let me be the only one. Come on, right? There was no car seat. And sometimes my dad would just brake check, you know, just to see if I'm, you still alive? And I was like, I was. Just threw my back out, you know. But just life was different 30, 35 years ago, you know. Like, here's, here's another way I know that life was different. I'll show you a picture. My parents used to let me play on playgrounds with slides like this. Come on. Come on. How many of you remember this slide? Let's just, can we, Mama, I know you're watching. Can we talk for a minute? I want you to recognize a couple of things about this slide. Number one, there are no safety sides. Hello? I mean, there are no safety sides. The other thing is that nowadays slides are made with like recycled materials that they change to the conditions of the temperature of the... This was metal. Metal. You know what you got when you got off this ride or this slide? Third degree burns. That was it. And, and notice around it, there's no safety mulch for a soft land. That's just hard dirt. And I'm not trying to be critical, but I just wonder, maybe this is why the generations before this one are a little bit tougher. Come on now. I grew up. That was it. And I don't, I just, I don't even remember like my parents being there. And now that, honestly, like, now that I think about it, it's like, she dropped me off and she's like, I'm going to the grocery store. You went to the grocery store a lot, Mom, <laughs> especially only let me have one meal. So, I mean, you just grew up different. You know, life is different now. I mean, parenting has evolved. Childhood has evolved. I mean, I don't even, you know, growing up, my parents never, as a kid, my parents never called my cell phone. You know what they did? They yelled my name. And if they really wanted my attention, how did they say your name? the whole thing. And then you knew, oh, dear Lord, mama ain't, mama ain't playing, you know? And I'd run inside. Now, like the other day, Kim was like, hey, tell, the, tell Lakeland dinner's ready. He's upstairs. I'm like, oh, just text him, you know? It's like, we just live in a different world. It's a different world today. And whenever you have children, the hospital sure didn't give you some like, hey, here's a tutorial. Here's a, here's a, here's a manual. Here's a guide. I remember asking, I was like, hey, is there a video I could watch? Yeah, and the lady was like, yes, it's called the end times, you know? Just life is different. But if you're here wanting to have a godly family, want to have a godly marriage, want to have godly children, and I believe all of you desire that because you're at church today, you're watching online, you've made that commitment, you've attended one of our campuses, there are some things that never change in order to have a godly relationship, have a godly marriage, or to raise godly children. So let me give you three factors here for raising godly children and, and these never change. Regardless of culture, regardless of trends, these three factors, if you want godly children, and again, if you don't have kids, you fill in the blank with wherever you are in life, these three factors are going to help you. And they stand the test of time. The first one is this. The first one is called the me factor. 
the me factor. On the count of three, everybody in both campuses online to shout me. One, two, three, me. Oh, we've talked about this throughout this series. It, it starts with you being the example. So again, let's, we're talking about children, raising kids, parenting. If you want to have godly children, then that desire starts with you. It starts with you. That example starts with you. Write this down, and I hope you're taking notes. If you're in person today in the seat back pocket near you, there's a, a message note card that you can take some notes. I want you to write this thought down. You replicate who you are. You don't replicate who you want to be. And we do this a lot in life, but especially in parenting. We tell our children, hey, do this or don't do that when we're doing the very thing that we're telling them not to do. And again, we live in a different world now. So now a lot of people are into like Botox and lip, you know, puffing. What is it called? I don't even know. And there's blow up your lips and plastic surgery. I kind of get the plastic surgery thing. This is, I'll just tell you a quick little thing about me. And we've all done this. So I, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, you know, I wish I had a different nose. I do. My, my nose is a little crooked. I have a deviated septum. I broke it when I was little. So when I take my glasses off, it's a little crooked. And so I'm, I'm self-conscious of that. Now, I do need glasses to see, but like I'll never move to contacts because I don't want you to see my crooked nose. Come on. So, um, and I went, I went to, to see a guy, like a nose doctor. I don't even know what they call him. I went to like a nosologist or whatever they are. And <laughs> I don't know. So that's pretty funny. And so I'm like sitting there and I'm like, hey, you think you can fix this? And I remember he's like, ooh, you know, and I'm like, that's rude. I was like, can you fix this? And he's like, well, I fixed all kinds of noses, but this one right here, this is a special nose. I'm like, well, my mom always said I was special, you know. And so he just begins to tell me the process of fixing my nose. And, and, and I don't know, Lord love him, but he scared me right out of the decision. He's like, first thing we'll do is we'll break it. And I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm like, That's all you had to tell me. He's like, then once we'll, we break it, we set it back in. I don't, every time I talk about somebody, I go country. That's just like my go-to. He's like, we're going to break it, and then we're going to stuff it with galls, and it'll bleed for days. And he's, and he's like, it'll be the worst pain you've ever felt. And I was like, you know what? I got a meeting I got to get to. <laughs> but here's the point. I, I, can, I can fix my nose, right? I can, I can go to a plastic surgeon and fix my nose. But you know the next time I'm going to see this nose is when my kids grow up they gonna have the same nose as me because you replicate who you are, not who you want to be. Does that make sense? And here's what happens is all the time we say, be kind, be nice, be generous, love God. Where do you think those attributes come from? That they come from your children watching your behavior. So hear my heart, not just the words, because you got, you got to know my heart so this doesn't feel like a slap in the face, but so much of the good and so much of the bad that are in our children are because of us and because of our behaviors. We talk about generational curses that are being passed down, and I'm not trying to just generalize addiction, but a lot of the addiction that families face is because it's passed down from one generation to the next. So write this thought down. We can't tell our kids to be something we have to show them who they should become. I can't, I can't tell my kids, be kind, be loving, be generous. If I'm not kind, loving, and generous, I have to show them this is the way that you should follow. I can't tell my, my kids, have a good work ethic if I'm lazy. Like, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but a lot of places are hiring right now. You can get a job. Okay, nobody said amen. I thought you would say amen, but you didn't. <laughs> So I'll just move off of that. I know a guy is the laziest guy I know. I mean, just the guy is just lazy. The only other person that I know that competes with his level of laziness is his son. How does that happen? Because monkey see, monkey do. Are you with me? So you can't just tell your kids to be something. You have to show them something. And there's one verse here that I'm going to show you that, man, it, it brings me a ton of conviction and a ton of accountability. And I, I say this to my family, and I'm, I am a massive work in progress, but if you go back six, seven, eight, nine years ago, I'm not the same JC on this platform I was then. God has done a miraculous work in my heart, and I can now stand in front of my family and say this verse to them, and listen to me, and this isn't an arrogant comment, because again, I'm human, I'm a human being, okay, there are days that I do wrong, and there are moments that I want to do wrong, because I'm made of flesh and bone. 
Okay, but I can tell you as your pastor or if you're looking for a church, this is a verse that, that I try to lead my life by. And it's 1 Corinthians 11, and here's what it says. Follow my example. You can follow my example. Because I'm committed to following the example of Christ. Listen to me. That doesn't mean I'm batting a thousand. It doesn't mean that I'm I'm a perfect parent. No. But as a matter of fact, you know what I have learned is that uh, in the moments that I mess up, the example of me asking for forgiveness and making it right is a greater example than if I never messed up to begin with. So I tell my wife and I tell my children, guys, you, you can follow my example. You can follow my leading because I'm following the example of Jesus Christ. At a church, I don't know what you're looking for in a church. I can't do anything about preference and style. and That's impossible to try to please everybody. But if you're looking for a church that is led by God and we're trying to follow the example of Christ, that's here. To say, hey, my heart is to say, God, I want to be, I want to be like you. I want, to be like, I want to be like you, Jesus. And I need grace and I need mercy, but I am committed to raising my family, as Paul said in Ephesians, and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and leading this. Listen, pastoring this church, the weight of that is overwhelming. And the only way, even during worship a moment ago, I'm thinking about online in Germantown in this room and you know, I'm thinking, God, you have given us such a responsibility. I'm going to stand on that platform. I'm going to talk to some parents today that are really in the thick of it, and they feel tired, and they feel exhausted, and somebody wants to throw in the proverbial towel, and now here I am. Listen to me. But there's an example that you can follow, and we're going to follow the example of Christ Jesus. So let me ask you this question, okay? All of that to say this. If you knew that your kids would one day turn out to be just like you, what would you change today? One day they're going to grow up, and for some of them, they have grown up, and they're going to be just like you. Isn't it amazing that the older we get, the more we become like our parents? I think it's why I love those progressive commercials so much. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, I can't even sit down now at 40 years old without going, oh, you know? Like, we're becoming more and more like our parents. So if your kids are going to end up becoming just like you, what changes do you need to make? Six, seven, eight, nine years ago, I had this kind of come to Jesus moment, and it happened through a comment that my wife made to me uh, because I I had a quick fuse, a short temper, and I would just kind of burst out of frustration. And, you know, and I always said, well, I'm just going to say what I mean and mean what I say. And so Kimberly, one day she was like, is that how you want your kids to grow up? Man, and in the moment I thought, you don't ever talk to me like who do you think you are? But in the depth of my heart, I knew, Lord, I don't want my kids to be like me. Not in that area. So I started making decisions because I knew that my kids are going to grow up and the me factor plays a big deal on how they turn out. Does that make sense? All right, let me give you another factor here. We, we got two more. There's the me factor and then there's the we factor. On the count of three, I want you to say we like you're riding a roller coaster. One, two, three. Y'all did that. Really? Come on now. All right. So the we factor then moves us from singular to plural. How many of you have heard this? It takes a... Man, that is true. Let me, let me talk to all the new parents for a moment. So maybe you're about to have a baby or you've recently had a baby. And, and now all of a sudden that baby has come and nobody else is good enough to give you any advice. And you know anybody like that? Like now all of a sudden, like, no, and like you, you've even shut off some of your, your, your parents. It's like now they raise six of their own children, but all of a sudden they're not good enough to raise yours. Listen to me. You need help. That's the, that's the best message you ever going to hear. You need help. Interpret that however you want, but the good Lord knows you need help, especially when it comes to raising kids, especially if you want godly children. So I don't want to talk out of, both sides of my mouth here. The Bible says in James that uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. But let me just kind of share some thoughts with you. You need to widen your circle. You, you need help. And there are people that want to help you with parenting. And I'll, I'll unpack that here in just a moment. But as you widen your circle, you still have to be very careful and mindful of who you let into your company, of who you let into that group 
to give advice and to give wisdom. And because they, they're, the kids are going to look at other people as a role model and an example as well. So here's the thought that I'm, or the point I'm trying to make. You, who you surround your child with matters because not every influence is a positive one. There, listen to me. This is, this is friends. This is family. There are some people in my family, and I love them. They're family, but I'm not putting my kids around them. And I've had to have those conversations with my family to say, hey, we're not going to be able to come to that event or that vacation or that party because I'm not exposing my kids to that behavior. Now, you, you raise your children and you lead your home the way that you feel convicted, but there are some things in my house that we just don't play that game. In my house, we don't cuss. So I'm not going to put my kids around people that cuss all the time because that's not okay for my kids. Because of my background in overcoming alcoholism, which was a generational curse that has destroyed marriages in my family and killed my sister because she couldn't stop drinking. We don't drink. We have a no drink policy in my house. We don't social drink. Not because I think it's a matter of heaven or hell, but I can't have one drink, so we just don't do it. So I don't let my kids get around people who drink. We're very careful and mindful of that. I've got, I've got people in my family, they tell racist jokes. I don't let my kids around them. Because I'm not trying to raise up my kids to think that that's okay to laugh at. I don't know. If, is, it, is, it, is my microphone even on? I'm just making sure. Like, I do. I talk to myself a lot, so this just feels normal, you know. <laughs> so not everybody is a good influence. But I also know that Kimberly and I, we can't raise our kids on our own. I need people in my life that are willing to help. And sometimes the Lord knows we need a break. Like we, we need a break before I break them. Come on, parents, help me preach, you know. So, and this isn't a criticism of my wife. As a matter of fact, the, the, the older we get together, the more I appreciate this about you. Kimberly is incredibly protective of who our kids hang out with. Like we've got people, and especially as Lakeland, my 11-year-old is getting to that age where like, Hey, my buddy wants me to spend the night, and my buddy wants to spend the night and all that. It's like, Kimberly's got like a 25-page application process. You know, it's like, you know, fill out this. And at first I was like, who cares? You know, they're kids. Let them go. And, you know, and just put out food and water. How bad could it be, you know? But at the end of the day, I recognize because we've learned this, that best friends will be made somewhere. What? They're going to make best friends somewhere. So now all of a sudden, you begin to understand the weight of the responsibility you have of widening that circle, but making sure you're very guarded with who comes in company with you. Because their best friends are going to be made somewhere. So listen to me for a moment. Let me just kind of pass, uh, do a pastoral moment here. This is why the local church is incredibly important to you. Because at Go Church, I, I don't pastor any other church but this one, but listen to me. We're in partnership with you parents and grandparents. I'm asking to come alongside of you. If it takes a village, then I guess we're the village people. Come on now. And it is fun to stay at the YMCA. <laughs> let us come alongside of you. This is why, let me say this. We don't have ministries because there's nothing else to do. We have ministries because we want to be in partnership with you. That's why we have incredible student ministries called Go Youth. And I mean, second to none kids ministry called Go Kids. So that your children can have, wouldn't it be great if their best friend was another church kid that loved the Lord and that family loved the Lord? This is why we offer small groups. We got small groups for all ages, from, from kids to grown-ups to parents to people that are single uh, to those that want to look at finances. Because we're in partnership with you. It's why we offer counseling. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you're beating your, 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 yourself to death trying to handle a problem that... Maybe your church could help counsel you with wisdom and advice that you need in whatever season of life that you're in. This is a partnership. Does that make sense? So don't ever, again, I'm not preaching down at you, but I get so frustrated at times when people think church is just Sunday and a few songs and a sermon. We are a family. If you have said yes to Jesus, you're my brother, you're my sister, and the color of your skin and your socioeconomic background, none of that matters. And if you need help, here we are. Come on and give Jesus some praise. We're here. And we're in good company. Let me show you, let me show you a story here found 
and the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. So this festival was a celebration of the exodus that the children of Israel made from the, the bondage of, of the Egyptians for over 400 years. So they have this festival, this party. So every year, Jesus and his parents, they went to this celebration. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom, verse 43. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and their friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. One more verse, but let me say this to all you parents. If you haven't lost your child, you're doing a better job than Mary and Joseph, huh? Come on. Could you imagine? They didn't just lose a kid. They lost the Savior of the world. God, you know my heart, so please don't let lightning strike me. But if, like, if it were me and you gave me Jesus, I'm putting Jesus on a leash. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm like, hey, Jesus, no. No, no stay right, Jesus. Stay right there. I'm not losing Jesus. I may do a lot of things wrong, but losing Jesus ain't going to be one of them. Come on. Woo, get on that. They've got leashes today for children. Times have changed. Now watch this, verse 46. After three days, they found him in the, where'd they find him? In church. They found him in church. What? Sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them, these questions. Now, there's a lot of angles you could go with that, that story and those verses, but let me, let me give you this perspective. What would it be like for your life if you had such good company? You were surrounded with such good people that you trusted them at a deep level that when your children or whoever was with them, you had no worry because you knew the company, the fellowship, the koinonia, the gathering would take care of them. This is incredible to me. Listen, they were gone for a day and didn't even realize he was gone, all because they had the right company. Does that make sense? Ladies and gentlemen, we're in partnership together. Now, please know this. When church is over today, we would appreciate you taking your child home. Come here. Let's just be honest. But we're here to help. We're here to care. We're a family. All right, one more. You got the me factor you have the we factor. And then I've, I've said this one in every, every message within this series. I'll bring it back somehow next week when we talk about money. But it's the most important one. It's the God factor. Amen. The God factor. On the count of three, everybody say the God factor. One, two, three. The God factor. This is allowing God to be the center of your heart, your home, your parenting, all that you do. King Solomon wrote these words. Proverbs 22, verse number six. Train up your children in the way that they should go. And when they are old, when they grow older, they will not depart from it or abandon it. And let me just say to some of you parents who have grown children and they've kind of stepped away from the faith, this is a promise you can hold on to. I believe that if you raised your children up in the ways of God, they will return back to them. For parents of children living at home, this takes discipline and commitment and rules and responsibility to say, hey, I don't know if you've ever trained your body or disciplined your body, but it's a painful process. Does that make sense? But to say, I'm going to lay down the proper guidelines because I'm raising you up in the ways of God. Because one day when you're on your own, and I tell my, I tell my kids that all the time, it's, again, especially my preteen. I'm like, one day, buddy, you get to make your own decisions. But until then, here's the rules. I'm raising you up so that one day when you're on your own, I know that you won't abandon the faith. You won't walk away from it. So I want you to understand this. That doesn't mean you have to be a perfect parent. Amen. Parenting is not about perfection. Parenting is about prioritizing God. Amen. Every week, a couple times a week, I talk to my mama, but every single Sunday morning, I talk to my mom on the phone. She prays for me, and then she asks, you know, so what's the message about? And today I told her, I said, well, you know, we're talking about parenting. And, and my mom begins to get emotional on the other end of the line, and a lot of it is because her kids are grown and she probably realizes that she has more life behind her than in front of her. So every conversation we have is sweet. And I pray many more days over you, Mama. 
But she said to me today on the phone, she said, I'm sorry that I wasn't a perfect parent. I was like, Mom, no, you weren't a perfect parent, but man, she was a single mom that raised me up right. She always made God a priority. I remember one morning, I, me and my sister got up. Mom was like, it's time to go to church. I was like, I'm not going to church. My mom was like, you're going to church. I was like, I'm not going to church. She's like, oh, you're going to go to church. My mama didn't play. And so I went to church that day in my pajamas, dressed up like Batman. Come on, somebody. I was 16. <laughs> my sister filled out the visitor card, name Batman. Address Batcave. First sermon I ever preached to a room of about 20 people. I told that, that congregation, I said, in my family growing up, we had a drug problem. And then my mom's mouth opened. She couldn't even fathom what I was going to say next. And I said, my mama drugged me to church every time the doors were open. She prioritized God. She made God a priority. I love what Paul said to, about his friend and to his friend Timothy. He said, I am reminded of your sincere faith. And watch this. This is generational. Which first lived in your grandmother Lois. Come on. Anybody thankful for a praying grandmama? Like, thank you, God. Right? And also in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Raise them upright in the nurture, the admonition of the Lord. Train up your child. This is a generational thing. And if you're sitting here today thinking, my family wasn't like that. Well, guess what? It starts with you. It's the me factor. And everything changes. All right, let me give you four practical thoughts here on the God factor and making God, a, a God priority in your heart, your home, your parenting, and all of that. The first one is this. you got to make the Bible the final word. I'm real guilty. Again, I told you I'm becoming more like, you know, my, my parents. I'm real guilty of whenever I'm laying down instruction, my kids will ask me why, and then I'll say, because I. Yeah, you do it too. I had this thought the other day, though. What if my response wasn't because I said so, but my response was, well, because the Bible says so. So we are doing this or we aren't doing that. Not because I say so, but the Bible is the final word in this house. It's a core value of the worldly household. So that's the authority, and the Bible says so. So no, you can't spend the night with your boyfriend. I don't care what culture says. The Bible says. Okay? Um, can I go to that party? No. You can't go to that party unless I go with you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> now I'll go, and I, I, will, I will floss. Got this, whatever you need, but now in order for the Bible to be the final word, you need to know the word. Okay. Another thought here. Your kids need presence more than presence. Every teenager in the room is like, do not make me spend time with my parents. And I know you get it, but let me tell you what your kids, your kids don't need another iPhone. They need one-on-one -on -one time. They need quality time. Real quick, I'm, I'm running out of time here, but Kimberly went out of town this weekend, and uh, so it was me and the kids, and we had this big weekend planned, and then about Thursday, I, I tweaked my back really bad, so we audibled the plans, and we decided to do a movie night, and so I let the kids pick the movie, okay, so six years old, London, 11-year-old, Lakeland, and they picked this movie, and I don't know if you parents have seen it, but it's called Yes Day, Yes Day, anybody seen this? So the whole premise of the movie is parents always say no, 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 no. But one day the parents say yes to everything that the kid wants. Now, I know some of you parents are thinking exactly what I thought when I watched them. I was like, there ain't no way, bro. Like you, it is no, no, always no. But there are some ground rules to the yes day. So a ground rule would be you give your kids a budget so they can't ask for a Lamborghini, right? They, a rule is they can't ask for anything in the future, so London would, would ask for a baby brother or sister, and that ain't going to happen, you know. Or Lakeland would want a, a dog, but those are future things. So you don't get that. You put a, a, a radius around your home so they can't travel with outside that radius. So they can't say, can we go to Hawaii or Disneyland? You know, it's like, well, I only told you you could go like 40 feet outside of the house. That's a rule, you know. But you give them rules, and then everything is a yes day. Now, that seems extreme. Watch the movie. It'll give you a better understanding, but... The whole point of the movie is just spending time with your family. 
being there, quality time. And a lot of times we become quite the disciplinarian that everything is no. Your kids just want time with you. They need time with you. Early on, I felt such guilt and conviction because I compared my life and our house and our cars to everybody on social media. My kids don't give two flying flips what kind of car we drive or house we live in. You know what they love? Is the fact that we do family dinner, we watch movies, dad is just an idiot. I'm always trying to make them laugh. We got a healthy marriage. Last night I told them the story about how I met their mother. And the first time I laid eyes on her, I fell in love with her. And I told Lana, I said, you find you a man like that, good luck. <laughs> Setting the standard, baby. Time's running out, let me give you another one. You gotta have clear boundaries. And then, listen to me parents, and then you have to have consistent consequences. Now grandparents, let me see your hands again. There are no consequences for your grandchildren. You let them do whatever, you, whatever they wanna do. I'm talking to parents, all right? Parents, you have to have boundaries. These are rules. It's not fair, and listen, I'm, I'm gonna take the side of the child for a moment here. It's not fair to criticize or punish your child for a rule they broke that they didn't know was a rule. It's not fair to punish them for doing something that you yourself keep doing. That's not fair. Now you can do it, but it's just not fair. But if they know the rule and they break the rule, now you have to have consistent consequences. Listen, we're raising up a generation where there is no consequences. So like, yeah, well, I told them not to do it. Well, did they do it? They did it. Well, what'd you do? I didn't do anything. Now, the Bible says that if you spare the rod, you will spoil the child. Now, some of you are thinking, especially those of you in the cancel culture, is the Bible advocating for child abuse? No, it's a play on words. But the Bible is advocating for discipline. Okay, now I grew up where I picked my own switch. I still can close my eyes and hear the sound of my daddy's belt coming out of that. Anybody grow up like that? Like, I, I remember those days. Now, I'm not, listen to me. I'm not telling you to go home and spank your children. But for those of you that are thinking, I can't believe he would talk about spanking kids in church. You need a spanking. Come on, I mean. <laughs> spank you. I asked you this a moment ago, but have you ever been in the store and you thought, if you don't spank him, I'm going to. Like, I thought, give me one day, one day with that kid. He won't act like that. But there's no consequences. So you got to find out whatever effective method of discipline and consequences are. Okay, so maybe like spanking and all that, that's not your house. I get that. That's fair, right? Watch this. Don't take their cell phone away. Don't take your daughter's cell phone away. Take her charger away. And make her hold the phone until it dies. <laughs> the agony of that battery percentage dying. Low. That's more than, give me your cell phone. No, I want you to watch your phone die in front of you. <laughs> Come on, parents. That's funny. And that's good. Don't you, don't you nod off. Little Sarah, watch it die. <laughs> Who's your daddy? <laughs> Consistent consequences. Hey. I'm telling you, rules, roles, consequences. If not, your children will never understand really how to mature in life and especially how to mature in the Lord. What if God never disciplined us? I'm about to say something. Thank you for discipline. The Bible says in Psalm 23, the rod and staff, yeah, come for me, yeah. You ever seen what, what a shepherd does to sheep with a rod and a staff? It's discipline. One more and then we're finished. You got to speak life over your children. I love you. Come on, dads. Let me, I'm going to call out all the dads. We got a conference coming up in a, in a couple months called Man Up Weekend. Listen to me, dads. Man up. Tell your kids you love them. They need to hear that. I'm proud of you. I tell my kids all the time. I tell them all the time. I am so proud to be your father. I'm so proud to be your dad. Little London, six years old, will come in with a picture. I have no idea what it is. They all look the same. I'm like, this is the greatest picture I've ever seen. And then she goes, do you know what it is? And I'm like, I love it when you tell me. <laughs> you explain it. Before every baseball game, again, Lakeland plays 11 or 12 U baseball now. Before every game, because I go, I go before the family, me and Lake, because, you know, I'm a part of the coaching staff. It's a pretty big deal. You know, I'm like the co-head coach. I mean, it's, it's, it's something. It's on, it's on my resume. 
And Kimberly tells Lakeland, she's like, and this is what she says. She's like, win or lose the game, I love you just the same. All the time. So the other night, I told you Lake had this great baseball game, and I invited everybody the next game. So game before, he goes like three for three, stolen bases, RBIs. I mean, it's just unbelievable. After the game, I was like, bro, you were going to the major leagues. You were like, you were like the white Ronald Acuna. This is unbelievable. So the next game, I was like, I'm going to bring everybody. So I text 10, 15 people, some family, some people from church. I'm like, you got to come see my kid play. He's going to pitch tonight. It's going to be amazing. Y'all, he was terrible. You know, I didn't put it on social media. It was bad. He struck out. Um, he walked batters. They had to pull him from the game. I'm coaching. Kimberly mouths at me. She's like, you put too much pressure on him. And I'm like, you don't talk to me like that. Not out here. I'm the co-head coach. So Lakeland's in the dugout. He's crying. He's embarrassed. He's crying. And I knew right then. I can speak life or I can destroy him. What's the Bible say in Proverbs? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I walked over to him. I put, I put my arm around him. I was like, buddy, look at me. I was like, man, everybody has a bad game. I was like, I think I had one when I was your age. There was one, I remember. It's like, everybody's got a bad game. I was like, look, good news is the bad game's out of the way. Right? It's over. I was like, you think I care how many home runs you hit or touchdowns you throw or... RBIs you score. I was like, you're a whirly, man. You're my boy. I was like, I love you, man. I'm so proud of you. Those tears turned into a big smile. He had a big grin. He came in, he gave me the biggest hug. He was holding me tight. We had about 15, 20 seconds. And then I said, but the next time I invite people, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the next time I invite people to this game, you will perform. Do you understand? Life and death. All right, I'm done. What changes? What changes? Come on, parents. Come on, grandparents. Come on, family. Come on, husbands. Come on, wives. Come on, kids. What changes need to be made in order to raise godly children? Head bowed, eye closed, all campuses. Jesus, love you. Thank you for your word. I pray something from today brought hope and brought truth, and you give us a better understanding of the me factor, the we factor, and the God factor. Give us grace and mercy as we raise our children in the ways of God. And may they never have to repent and turn back to you because they never stray away. May they always stay close to you, Jesus, as families stay close to you. In the most precious name we pray, the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise. Come on, amen.